0: I'm at the Eggman. I'm the Robotnik. I'm at the combination Eggman
1: and Robotnik. (laughs) Hi, Nick. Hi, Caleb. Knock, knock. Who's there? Just kidding. We're not doing a knock, knock joke. Oh, good. I'm so glad. (laughs) We're doing something much worse. A trivia question. Oh, no. I'm terrible at trivia. (laughs) As you well know,
0: my it is my instinct to generate a false fact before I generate a real fact. Uh, when asked a trivia question, I will produce something potentially hilarious, but almost definitely obnoxious and absolutely not helpful. That's a bad superpower. Yep, it really is.
1: Well, but it might come in handy in this. So I have uh, this deck of trivia cards yes, that okay. I brought Good. as an extra prop today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I am flipping through them
0: oh yeah those are real cards those are definitely not my metal gear solid uh tarot deck They're
1: very good <laughs> this trivia sonic the hedgehog trivia cards so i'm gonna i'm just gonna shuffle them up and pick a random question okay okay yeah uh okay i've got one okay good uh in the famous story feature film peter pan oh god uh where did captain hook hide to get away from the crocodile <laughs> uh in, um to hide to get away from the crocodile so mm-hmm. remember tiktok 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 yeah, oh yeah. god the so pressure's to on sure, to make sure the crocodile would never find him right right he right
0: he hid inside of uh the deku tree
1: <laughs> peter Pan, no peter pan's from the deku tree sorry and, i had to check the back okay. of the card uh it's not the deku tree okay okay the, no um, sorry you, but you get three I, tries
0: i don't want another try <laughs> um he hid in Um, An offshore banking account
1: (laughs) (laughs) That one's even closer but not quite Okay I don't know I give up what is it The computer room That's the only place a crocodile can never find on his own.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> but luckily, Peter Pan teams up with the croc
0: in that one level mm-hmm. of uh, Sonic Adventure 2. And together they find to- the computer room. Yeah, and together they find the computer room. <laughs> it was Shadow the Hedgehog. It- oh, okay. Excuse me. Um, welcome, everyone, to our very good podcast, Your Two Show. Your Two show it's your to show it's our to show
1: from show to shining show (laughs) i'm caleb oh and i'm nick and that what you just witnessed before the theme song was just an elaborate a cool elaborate stunt that i spent a lot of time working on and preparing (laughs) caleb puts in a lot of a lot of hard work
0: and uh, I don't think he really gets the credit that he deserves um, <laughs> yeah
1: where's my where am my where are all my credits Where are your I need your... to buy some fantasy armor
0: hmm you need to, you need some zenny or some uh what what's the currency in Puyo pop? What kind of money do Puyos spend? I was just wondering oh
1: you know what I don't think they have money. I think they just battle for goods. they barter oh. for goods with puyos do is there Puyo dragon quest slash fiction
0: like goo goo, goo on goo? Slime on, slime on Slime? Like Puyos, but they're slimes? P- Puyos That'd be really slime. That uh, would p- Yeah, p- Puyam? S- <laughs>
1: Sluyo. Sluyo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, today we watched Sonic Sat AM Episode 3, which is called Ultrasonic. Ultrasonic. Here's the recap. Yeah. Blue streak speeds by. So, as these episodes tend to start, we are shown them in the middle of some kind of operation in Robotnik City. Yep. Them being, in this case, Sally and Sonic. So, Sally, Sonic, and were they with Rotor? No, they were alone at the beginning. So, Sally and Sonic are inside the pipes of Dr. Robotnik's Mm -hmm. lab. In the air pipes. Yes. Yeah. They're trying to sabotage his roboticizer. Yes. They're trying to figure out how it works and how to stop it, Mm -hmm. basically. And in the meantime, the B-team of Rotor and rabot and all of them are trying to find parts like thrown away parts of like old versions of the roboticizer that they could maybe mine for information
0: Mm -hmm. rotor is the walrus we just learned that in this episode yes
1: and it rules yep (laughs) so uh they are in the midst of kind of trying to hack into the system Uh they like unplug the power supply or the communicator the The security system uh, the alarm yeah the alarm system they Mm -hmm. unplug the alarm and sally says oh no what if they have a secondary alarm and sonic's like we'll figure it out Uh, We get to see Sonic look at himself in the mirror and talk about how hot he is for a second, which was very interesting. A new wrinkle. (laughs) Uh, And then the roboticizer notices they're in there. It tells Robotnik that the roboticizer is in sabotage mode. Sabotage! (laughs) Oh my god, it's a sabotage mode. Hurry up, y'all. This is sabotage. Yeah, yeah. I (laughs) love...
0: I can't even deal with that. That's one of the funniest things that's ever happened. <laughs> Snivelly! the roboticizer is in sabotage mode. <laughs> oh, good. That's a good mode to have. That's a good mode to have. <laughs> Caleb and I looked at each other and said, same. Like,
1: we are also in sabotage mode. <laughs> How do you... I, I, why does he put that in his in his robots?
0: Dude, I don't know, but... Every program that I ever write henceforth is going to have a sabotage mode. Mm -hmm.
1: Is it a mode that activates when sabotage is being performed or is it that someone can get into your computer and turn on sabotage mode and it's just like, all right, I'm tearing myself to pieces. Okay, I have to sabotage myself now. I don't know. I guess if they're true AI, they all have to have that somewhere buried deep inside them. So Snively finds them and tries to capture them. He releases fire hydrant group into this into the yeah. pipes they run away from the fire hydrant group which fire makes, hydrant goop sorry you know what i meant to say which extinguisher was fire foam. extinguisher foam fire extinguisher ex- fire hydrant. i guess fire hydrant Dude, goop be, is be, be, just water be, be,
0: be, be. pause 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 the recap do you think that foam comes out of fire hydrants on the street
1: no i don't i don't Caleb, I know is that, that what you think no i know that it's water <laughs> Anyway, so the fire extinguisher goop starts chasing them down this pipe, yep. but they manage to break out at the edge of it, fall out, mm-hmm. and find their way to their hover pad, which is this really cool, like, swoopy, hovery it's disc. It's a swoopy disc, yeah. Uh, so the two of them proceed to, during a very slow-paced chase sequence, yes. just have, like, a banter thing back and forth, but it is not seamless, Mm-mm. and it is sort of an uncomfortable, like... You can tell these two people were having this conversation in a totally different room at different times. Yeah, the timing is very bad. Because the writing was okay, and I really like seeing Sonic have to sort of have someone keep up with him. Yeah, Like someone giving him a hard time successfully for a while Yes, was very interesting, because we've never seen that before. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Usually it's people that are too dumb, to respond to him more than once. Or, or he doesn't give
0: them a chance or something. Yeah. But he, I, I like the relationship that he has with Sally so far, where she's definitely smarter than him and he knows it. Yes. And she's also just more effective in almost every way. Like when he
1: pulled out the... A mirror. Yeah, he, it was because he said to Sally, like, with your brains and my looks, yeah, we'll definitely get through this. And Sally's like, you're half right. And he's like, which half? And and she's, she's like, mm, guess. guess.
0: And he's like, <laughs> the good looks part. And then he like rubs his own belly, like he's like, mm-hmm, my good looks. And <laughs> she's like, mm, try again.
1: <laughs> <laughs> she's like, you did your best. Yeah. And then exactly. he pulled out his mirror to like check that he was attractive. God, it was awesome. Yeah. Uh, so they meet back up with Rabot and Rotor at the exact same time. They notice that. Sonic's Uncle Chuck <gasps> has been roboticized ba, 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 ba. and is about to get into a a monorail. A monorail, yeah. About to get into a monorail that will take him to the crystal mine. Yep. And Sonic they try
0: to catch Uncle Chuck. Do they catch him before the mine? No, they get no, in. They, they get, end up they getting into get the, the second car. Yeah. Go to the crystal mine where they're mining the energon mm-hmm. that's going to destroy the world. <laughs> and then they uh, catch Chuck before he goes in the door. And they have this weird face-off between Sonic and his future robot self. And Chuck, as a robot, is, like, growling like a like a werewolf. Yeah, he's just, like, Rrr, Rrr. like, he's completely monstrous, which is an interesting thing for a robot to be depicted that way. And then they are able to, is it Bunny that, like, kicks him in the head and, like, grabs it somehow they grab hold of him Mm -hmm. and and so sonic
1: like jumps over him and knocks him into bunny rabbit and bunny rabbit grabs him and is like "Uh, don't worry sugar i'm not gonna hurt you
0: right and she calls uncle chuck sugar yes which we'll note later
1: (laughs) (laughs) so they take uncle chuck under a bridge to hide and sonic is like what's going on with him we have to fix him and sally's like i have an idea i think i know how we might be able to uh Jog his memory. Yep. So Sally pulls a power ring out of her, or Sonic's backpack. Yep. She pulls a power ring out of Sonic's backpack, hands it to Uncle Chuck. And Sonic says, Uncle Chuck, do you remember you made these for me?
0: Yes. Bingo. And I was worried that maybe they were going to accidentally supercharge the Chuck bot and that he would be able to do them harm or something. But no. That would have been wild. In fact, it reminds and it summons Chuck's consciousness from within the robot. Yeah. And he comes back out of this like monstrous fugue for a little while and is able to help them. And he goes, oh, Sonny. It's, you know, oh, it's good to see me. I mean you. <laughs> uh,
1: Nick commented that his mustache and his eyebrows, especially in this iteration, Dude. look exactly the same. Dude. It really looks like he went and just bought two of the same fake mustache uh, uh, toy at a costume shop and put them uh, both on his face.
0: Yeah. It's the same thing.
1: Same stache. Sa-
0: he's good. <laughs> It's the worst disguise I've ever seen. It's hilarious. It's exactly the shame, like apostrophe shapes, mustache, and then again, twice, like just twice right above the eyes. Same size, same everything, identical. Imagine if that was how Mario looked.
1: Dude! <laughs> Mario's, Mario's eyebrows are also his mustache. <laughs> It's a me. It's a who me. knows who?
0: <laughs> He's trying to hide. Oh God, it's really funny.
1: <laughs> God, it was so good. But so this is the same thing. This is the same thing we saw in Underground.
0: <laughs> you okay? It's
1: really funny to me. It's the same thing we saw in Underground, yeah. where one of the Queen's like main people. Yeah. Do you remember what whoever that guy was? He was like a dog, like a big dog. Oh yeah, yeah. They're they're like.
0: Former, they're kind of like a Han Solo or whatever that had been like helping them that has been... Ter- yeah,
1: yeah. he had a similar arc in this episode yeah, right. where he like came back for a little while but was having to fight the monstrous yes. robot side of mm-hmm. him. Very werewolfy. I hadn't made that connection. Yeah. It's interesting.
0: It, mm-hmm. It's weird. It's a, it's a weird depiction of what it means to be roboticized. Yeah, it just, I, it's
1: kind of increasingly complicated. It turns you just into like an animal, apparently. Like, an, <laughs> or just aggressive. Yeah, or that, that you're very like...
0: I don't know, just, like, simpler emotions, maybe. Like, yeah. you're very submissive, and you, you the, his body is, like, metallic and made out of all these metal plates, and mm-hmm. so he's... And I don't know if that's, like, a coating, or if these really... His body's been turned into a robot, but they talk about being able to bring him back, so I don't know what that
1: means. They're just but, hoping to. I don't think they have any right. ideas how yet.
0: But they're either, like, super passive, submissive, like, servants, mm-hmm. or when they see... Uh, some, you know, when, when whatever they see an enemy or see somebody they've been programmed to or something, they Mm -hmm. just
1: like respond viciously. And everybody hates the hedgehog. So it makes sense that he would have that built in to just like attack it. I guess so. Yeah. So they learn from uncle Chuck that Robotnik is about to pull a giant crystal out of the ground. Yeah. This crystal, he calls it a power crystal. I guess I believe. Yeah. And he says the phrase I think exactly is this much power crystal being removed from the earth will destroy the ecosystem yeah so they come they start to enact a plan
0: to stop robotnik from stealing the crystal by hijacking a dinosaur, mm-hmm. and um like by- they climb into the dinosaur into its belly uh-huh. and then they tr- they turn its colors its eyes from red to green and that's how you know that it's good uh-huh. um and, and then-, then the
1: dinosaur proceeds to be completely useless right but while they're doing
0: it <laughs> They pull the crystal out of the ground. Mm-hmm. The crystal's all the way out. It's like, oh, it's over. But apparently not. Apparently because they just
1: need to get it back in there within some amount of time.
0: Yeah, or to stop Robotnik from actually using it for something else. We don't, it really wasn't clear, but they go from, we've got to stop them from pulling it out of the ground to, mm. oh no, they've pulled it out, but we just need to stop them from pulling it all the way out of this hole. Actually, we can't do that. Maybe we should just blow up the crystal. Oh no, the crystal absorbs lasers because lasers are the worst weapon in this show. <laughs> And then they slam it
1: down on the ground, and apparently they win, even though the crystal broke. So, I that really didn't make any sense. It didn't super break. It just, like, broke a little bit. Mm-hmm. Well, this gives us a little bit of information into Robotnik's plan, and I also think it provides some context for the Chaos Emeralds. I now, I now think I understand a little better what they are because oh. of this. Like, if we're looking at them as being similar to what this power crystal okay. is, they are... So, apparently, in this world, biology and nature yeah. is pulling from the energy source of these crystals which is just like in Power Rangers.
0: Yeah. Okay, It's sure. just like
1: how there's that one crystal on Earth in Power Rangers that uh she's the trying to. The Zeon get. crystal. Yeah. Yep. So the Zeon crystal is Zeo Zeo crystal something like that. Uh, yes It is nature and it, it, it like provides the energy for plants to grow and life to exist. Yeah. So that's exactly what mm. these are in this mm-hmm. which makes it very interesting that we're coming up against them alongside uh, literally a dinosaur. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh what he is doing is taking those crystals used to power nature and using the power instead for his robots so this is presenting Uh, a world an interesting world where robotics and nature are literally a zero-sum game they're in opposition like you have
0: to consume nature in order to create robots
1: yeah yeah which is like true in Mm -hmm. reality as well Mm -hmm. in some ways uh but is especially apparent in this like construction of of all nature having one single power source. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty cool. So the the episode wraps up with them, like, they stop the crystal, but then... They stop the crystal, but Chuck can't go with them back home. Yeah. They start heading back to Knothole, and Chuck, who has been having, like, little headaches and little flashes of, like, maybe not being himself yep. over the course of the episode, yep. finally says, it's too late, I definitely can't do this, and goes into full growly anger mode again. Right. They have to leave him behind, and Sonic cries. Yeah. Sonic, like, actually cries on this on this uh, monorail, and it's like, I can't believe we had to leave my uncle behind. Like, we have to save him. And everybody else on the team is like think about what we succeeded at like if we yeah. hadn't at least talked to him for that point we wouldn't have saved that crystal yeah it could have been the end of everything if yep. we hadn't at least done that so you made the right choice to do that yep he saved the day even though he's still stuck there with robotnik and right because he's a robot he's loyal but we can save him someday right and we just have to keep working to be able to save him
0: sally says she's copied part of the roboticizer software and believes that they'll be able to reverse the process eventually like yes. she's gonna be studying that and then it's, and then rotor says, we'll save him and the rest of our families. Yeah. And that's a dark moment where we see the stakes for everybody are really, really high. And then it's not just Sonic and his family or Sally and her dad, but like everybody in the resistance will have had someone or most of their family killed or i imagine
1: i mean even the fact that they're all different animals right like right even just looking at the fact that the entire resistance is made up almost completely of different animals right implies especially for if we're, if we're assuming like if the only relatives of sonic we've seen are hedgehogs yep like sally acorn probably has not a, a squirrel chipmunk dad mm-hmm. yep like they're they,
0: the one example of their species that's been able to escape
1: right they're the Whoa. only ones of their family that are in the resistance <laughs> good lord Wow! But the uh, figuring out a way to turn people back from robots to biological life, or at least give them their brains back so they can continue functioning and living, Mm -hmm. is huge. Yes, and and that has this episode has finally given us like. This is what this story is about. Right. Like, not just taking down Robotnik, but specifically saving these people. Yeah. And putting Uncle Chuck in the forefront of it and telling us, like, this is Sonic's relative mm-hmm. made that super powerful, super fast. Yep,
0: it's pretty cool. So
1: that's the recap.
0: We've got the we got the whole plot. There are a lot of other details to to break
1: down. I want to start talking about the team. Okay. I think, controversial opinion, this is my favorite cast of characters we've ever seen on a Sonic show or bum, anything. Bum. Bum. Ba- like, period. Okay, and I'm, I'm including Sonic X. Sonic <laughs> X. <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, but tough words. Let's hear it. I know. So Sonic X has an interesting cast. Mm-hmm. They and they pull everybody from the Sonic Adventure era. Right. Everyone. Uh, Tails, Knuckles, the Chao, all those people. Yep. Mm-hmm. Because by that point in the Sonic's in Sonic's history, Sonic, Tails, and Knuckles, and Shadow, and all them have been established as like these Sonic characters. Yes. So they are, like... Sonic X is limited by the fact that they are having to definitely use these characters that exist and have existed for decades. Okay. And find variations on them. Right. Those characters, unfortunately, I think, are often pulled and narrowed down to their, like, individual characteristics. And they get
0: kind of shoehorned into the plot. Yes. It's like, whatever story we want to tell, it has to include all these characters somehow.
1: Yes. This Sonic... Uh, Sad AM already Every single episode With the exception of Sonic and Sally Has had a different set Of people in it mm-hmm. And they have been There when they're necessary And important to the plot yeah. Sonic X does a little bit of this It balances people And I'm not saying Sonic X isn't Is like Worse than this show Or that's bad But it's just But the, like yeah. Watching Bunny Rabbit, mm-hmm. And watching Rotor And seeing the and Antoine, Bunny Rabbot And Rotor Were in yep. this episode Alongside Sonic and Sally And those That cast of five is so good. It's pretty good. Yeah, it's so tight. You have Sonic, who's fast, quick, kind of funny. You have Sally, who's obviously the brains of the group. Yeah. You've got Rotor, who's the mechanic. Mm-hmm. You've got uh, Rabbot, who's the brawn yep. of the group, and then you've got Antoine, who's kind of the comedic flavor. Yeah. I. It's not a successful comedic flavor. <laughs> well. <laughs> and I don't necessarily love Antoine, but a role that he took on in this episode that was interesting is like a positive energy. Like he was just there to help, and he stayed, like. Uh, the first episode had him be like so scared and that yeah. was kind of a weird trait mm-hmm. in this one. He was like very positive and focused and like kind of the emotional support almost yeah, the whole it, time. It was even very just, different. Even just by refusing to
0: engage in negativity. Like at one point he yeah. says, Oh, it's a slice of pie. And rotor says, it's a piece of cake, Antoine. And Antoine says, I'm very glad to hear that.
1: Yeah, like, exactly. Like, just, I'm super glad it's a piece of cake. <laughs> He, they. It seems like on the first episode, they weren't quite sure what to do with him. Maybe so, so They just yeah. made him fearful. But yeah. in this one, in this group of cast where Sonic was being the emotional one and mm. everybody was kind of being support, he was just, like, there to help. Yeah. And, like, super positive and energetic, and that was cool to see. Yep. I also did really like that dynamic between Rotor and... Antoine uh-huh. because Rotor didn't sound necessarily like mean no he wasn't being like uh it was right it was funny because in the other episodes we've seen Antoine in whenever he messes up people don't correct him they yeah. just poke fun at him yes like Sally is like saying what he says and then just like changing one of the words yeah or like uh Sonic is kind of teasing him or just ignoring the fact that he's messing up yep but Rotor is the one who's like no, I'm trying to help you. Like, this is actually how you say it. Yeah. And I thought that was really cute. It was good. Like, you could, it felt friendly. It felt like they were friends. And because they were the B team, I imagined it immediately evoked, like, oh, his, like, slight irritation at it evoked, like, oh, they've been hanging out a lot. These two especially Mm -hmm. know each other really well. And I thought that was really cool. It was cute. I I liked it a lot. And it feels, it's funny to
0: remember that all art is like iterative and, and evolutionary and the, especially TV finds its voices over time. Yeah. And so often like stuff that kind of put us off in the first episode mm-hmm. hasn't really come back. Yeah. Like the the Sonic and Sally are still antagonistic toward each other, but it's in more
1: of a playful way than it was in the first episode even yeah it's weird how every single moment of their arguments goes on three or four lines longer than i think it should absolutely yes (laughs) almost every single time their arguments are the banter just presses just a little too far Mm -hmm. and and it feels real like it feels like actual life where you get where people try to escalate on each other and then eventually you just have to stop yeah you just get to the
0: point where you go and now we're done uh, i guess that was it (laughs) you've got them like I don't know, it's like a real... Yeah, there is something real about it. And mm-hmm. and for them to be... I was reminded of um, kind of the Millennium Falcon scenes from Star Wars when mm-hmm. they were on their hover disc or the hover pad and they're flying around and evading this the spaceships behind them. Mm-hmm. They have all this time. Yeah. Like they're just sitting in the craft. One of them's driving, the other one is hassling. And like, that's almost exactly like some of the scenes with Han and company in
1: Star Wars. And it's such a good dynamic to have... Sally giving good advice or like telling him he's doing something dumb, yeah. and Sonic just like making choices and then being like, "This will be so easy," and Sa- and him then messing up and Sally being like, "Oh, was that really easy?" Yeah. And then being like, "Well, maybe it wasn't so easy."
0: Yeah, exactly. It's good though, and it and it, I don't know. It's a way of like that action scene was so long, yeah, but it also didn't feel bad yeah because it wasn't even about the action like we know they're gonna get away mm-hmm. and they kind of pull this maneuver where sonic loops back around and flies through them the other direction and then they're all scattered and they get away but it's kind of that doesn't really matter
1: yeah and it's a little hard to follow with the animation right so but it's
0: like mostly about them here they are fleeing the enemy for their lives maybe they're gonna get shot down out of the sky
1: but they're just talking uh-huh and like, even seeing even this in routine, the routine In the pipes. Like, the fact that they're in grave danger, but they still have time and the energy with each other to just, like, joke around. Yeah. It's an interesting take on, like, uh, how Sonic handles high-pressure situations. Yes. Period. And then also just that, like, you cannot... Even when you have, like, this uh, world-important, like, life, like and everything you're doing is so important on a global scale, you still have to find time to, like bring levity and like relax yourself yeah and break the tension and just play with
0: each other and like (laughs) remain remain human right Mm -hmm. and stake
1: like i don't know yeah and then when you add uncle chuck Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. this cast of people he immediately took on a role of like an older grizzled rebellious leader yep it's it's like a tropey character of someone who like oh well i've i've got a broken arm but i know exactly what we all need to do (gasps) Yeah, exactly Uh, my whole body's
0: been turned into metal (laughs) and my brain is a corrupted werewolf but we got to stop this crystal and
1: even <laughs> no he problem. because he was just sonic like yeah. sonic even comments like <laughs> wow he's just like me like isn't that my uncle for sure mm-hmm. everything he said was just like the way sonic says it and like he was saying silly things about the robot as they were hijacking yeah. it and like using this weird colloquial series of words that come from a variety of different dialects yeah exactly and like seeing him act like that was very very interesting because again this was a guy Trying to do something before his brain shut down. Yeah. Who has been like, t- basically tortured and yep. turned into a different person mm-hmm. for who knows how long. Yep. Uh, trying to save the entire planet yes. from having its ecosystem destroyed immediately. Yeah. And he's still like, bingo bongo. Let's <laughs> let's uh, juice and slam the pipes. Let's do it. <laughs> <He's> <laughs> let's grind this rail all the way to the end. <laughs> It's good. And I think a problem with the way Sonic X handles characters that they do a good job with here. Yeah, is I know we talked about being shoehorned in, by mm-hmm. allowing them all to have one specific thing, it, yeah. it uh, allows us to focus on who they are around their skill yeah. rather than this weird variety of like Tails being the pilot and the mechanic and also the little brother character right. for Sonic. In this, Tails is just the little brother character. Yeah. And uh, the brawn is just, like instead of it being knuckles but then also sonic it's like just bunny rabot and every time sonic needs somebody to get punched yeah. bunny rabot does it let's talk about the moment where bunny says Sonic's like bunny can you open this door it's like this huge
0: metal door and she's like sure thing, sugar hog and she walks up and opens it with her regular arm
1: he's like smash the elevator and she's like okay and then she just pushes it open with her normal tiny rabbit arm her rabbit arm she doesn't she's very clearly like holding
0: her robot arm to the side like don't even need this right now very strong
1: she's awesome <laughs> she's, she's so cool so and good. it does show that she was probably pretty strong already yeah exactly and then when they added the robot parts it just got even more so
0: (laughs) but yeah she gets to be the Mm brawn and so everybody's got these focused roles and it's great like the characterization is like quick and efficient Mm -hmm. and they feel like a team very quickly yeah whereas and then they're in maybe they're introduced a little messily maybe the uh, this show
1: is certainly not like doing everything exactly right and it's not trying to to give us any context very well like it is weird to have uncle chuck show up episode three already roboticized yeah like And this assumption of context that we've talked about, like assuming you've read the comics or trying to hope that you will. Right. But if you, but either way, it does work to go like, oh, that's my uncle. Yeah.
0: And then, okay. And then he's established as, oh, he's been working with them before, but he got, okay, okay.
1: Like it all works out. But did we say also that he definitely, he definitely did make the power rings? Yep. Which adds another layer of mystery to why are they in the river? Why are they coming down the river? (laughs) Yep. So one thought. Is uh, what if they are dropping the power rings into the river upstream and something about the zeo crystal <laughs> is charging them? Oh, Like if the river is on some kind of a ley line or if it's some kind mm-hmm. of natural energy
0: because it's a river. So you're saying that Sonic and company have a collection of these rings, mm-hmm. but once Sonic sucks all the energy out, they have to be recharged. So actually, they are. So the Knothole gang is dropping them in the river upstream and wait, they have to wait. Yes. So they've got him on a cycle. Okay, that might be. That's what I'm wondering. Um it, it absolutely could be something like that. They are n- clearly not emerging from the Earth. Yes. As it is. And it seems like they don't have anything to do with Robotnik's factory or anything. It is something Chuck made. Maybe he becomes aware of himself periodically and makes another ring and drops <laughs> it in the ocean, but probably not. Yeah. Um I did like that though. And we'll very have to cool. see I wonder how, how much more of that they'll explain. Um there is a lot of energy talk in this show. Like, yeah, the these this power crystal, the rings, and that's a sort of general like I don't know, like kid thing. Like I remember being obsessed with like sources of power yeah. when I was a kid, mm-hmm. and, and I had a collection of like plastic crystals that I would use in various, you know, pretend moments mm-hmm. for various things um but there but hmm, hmm. i'm kind of thinking i don't have anything else to elaborate on but i'm thinking about what you said about the connection between nature and technology yeah and, like technology as the exploiter of a natural resource and so that in the real world we have things like our power crystals are kind of coal or yeah. gasoline right <laughs> yeah, and they were in a mine they, yeah. they are like resources encapsulated underground and mm. when you remove them from the landscape it screws up the world it does like it, damage the. W- it hurts the ecosystem yeah so this is so there's something about the the crystal as a metaphor that's very it's like easier to draw and it's kind of compelling in that way but it's an absolute direct analogy
1: and it's obviously especially exacerbated by robotnik's use of pollution machines yeah exactly and that
0: i had a lot of weird run-ins with the idea of energy this week i've mm-hmm. uh, been watching the new twin peaks there's a lot of stuff about electricity in there mm. and there was a reference to uh, like an oblique reference to uh, a paper by Nikola Tesla that I read it was a speech that he gave at the at the um, commencement of the Niagara Falls power plant saying that like... Niagara Falls is a power plant? I think so. Yeah. He says Niagara Falls will like give the this surrounding area a, a, a great resource in all of this power. I had no idea that was a I power plant. didn't know either. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, and... There's a the waterfall in Twin Peaks, which is a sort of uh, magical hub. But in real life, that uh, waterfall is also a, a power plant. Mm-hmm. Um, but Tesla talks about, in order to create a just society, we have to stop using power that creates waste. Mm-hmm. Like, and this was in like the early 1900s. He was saying that we, you know, he was working on techniques to create power from sources that will not generate waste. Yeah. And it, that power is in a certain way, like, the root resource of political power and of wealth. Mm-hmm. And that we can see that, like, people who control the coal and the gas and, and, and the oil in the real world have all the power. Like, they have a massive amount of wealth and political influence. And anyway, I'm just thinking about, like, in order to... This is a nice way to encapsulate that for kids. Yeah, I mean, that, that is some real, like, political stuff. That's yeah. real world stuff, where if we... If, if people... If one guy, Robotnik, takes this massive source of power for himself, whether directly removing the crystal or not was going to cause the harm, which it does, Mm -hmm. but that, like, he's going to take that and burn it, and the massive amount of energy released gets released as carbon, in the
1: real metaphor, and, like, hurts all of us. Well, so this is what I am imagining. Yeah. This is what just occurred to me could be his long-term plan Mm -hmm. that is, like, whoa, scary. So you roboticize enough people... By force. Yeah. You trap enough people in roboticization and you use them as workers to pollute the atmosphere. Yeah. Eventually, the people remaining come to you to get roboticized because otherwise they die. God. Like... Oh, no. Eventually, you can charge for that (gasps) because you have made a a situation where it's impossible to survive otherwise. Oh, gross. So there's, like... I was wondering about the pollution machines, and for a while they've seemed to me as just, like, kind of cartoonish villainy. Like... Oh, that's like a silly, weird thing to intentionally do. Oh, whoa! But no, but yeah. no. That like, because what that does is eventually you hit a turning point and you stop having to force people to get roboticized anymore.
0: Organic creatures can't survive, and yeah. then they're enmeshed in your system of control.
1: And so they, that oh. you, you can make them do whatever you want it, mm. to then get roboticized as a reward eventually.
0: Wow. And we could potentially extrapolate that into like why are all jobs being converted into technology jobs or something like that? But whatever. (laughs) Um, But like,
1: yipes, that's terrifying. Yeah, and I bet that's part of his plan. That lines up really well.
0: And why he there there was that one reference, I I feel like a few weeks ago, he had like legislated pollution, right? He was like, he had made it like mandatory that things pollute
1: Yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's what I'm I'm talking about. That's like, Yeah.
0: yeah, it feels cartoonish, but
1: yeah, holy crap. (laughs) <laughs> oh no yeah it, because that gives him like you have full control of a robot society and so you want to make sure the whole world gets roboticized if pollution's not dangerous to you wow. because you no longer need air then you can make it as bad as you want in order to stay in control similar real world metaphors with the capitalist like yeah you know the, and the, the thing yeah. here the question for Robotnik that he would have to if this show continued on long enough yeah. grapple with yeah. is like why like what do you want to be in charge of because if you're if if you transform the whole world in order to be in charge of it now you're not in charge of the thing that you wanted in the first place like
0: uh, yeah but the but that kind of like grasping like insecure ego that robotnik has it just needs to be in charge and needs to be recognized as having one yeah it can't see like you you lose track of what it is that's really driving you. Mm-hmm. You get enmeshed in that like I need to be in charge to the ex- to the exclusion of everything else. Mm-hmm. And you you begin making decisions that are completely almost irrational to the but to the effect of like well this is the next step. I need to I need to win regardless of what that actually means.
1: And I know that I have like I think probably a lot of us have had a microcosm of this experience where you commit to something. Yep. But, and now that you've spent time committed to it, even realizing it's a bad idea kind of (laughs) becomes impossible. (laughs) The sunk cost fallacy. Yeah. It becomes very, very hard to decide that the thing that you've done is a waste of time. Right. And this is like, this is something I've talked about a lot lately with my friends uh, with regard to like when parents are confronted with kids being more progressive than yeah Mm -hmm. it's like the reason it's hard for them to listen to you is because it doesn't just require them to listen to you it requires them to realize and, and accept that they've been doing something wrong for decades yep and like that decision like and and that is the core of the problem it's not that they can't hear what you're saying or what people are saying it's just like that they would, in it's order so to much. really, in order to really listen, yeah. you're fighting not just against them in the moment. You're fighting against them since they were born, yeah, like all the way to now. And it's hard. Mm-hmm.
0: And I, I went through that transition um, when I was about twenty. Mm-hmm. It was nineteen and twenty, where I had a huge ego and like deeply conservative values and very self centered politics, mm-hmm. and had been a Republican and then called myself a Libertarian because I got even more selfish and stupid. <laughs> and then I, and and then my like life. Uh, uh, exploded in a couple of ways because of my ego, mm-hmm. and I had to confront that at a at a, um, a really like painful turning point. Yeah, and out of that moment of like, well, nothing worked out, so maybe I was totally wrong about some stuff. Mm-hmm. Came this moment like of of self understanding and self reflection and an awakening, and I had the I was lucky enough to be able to come out of that with a more like outward facing compassionate approach
1: yeah toward the, politics the best thing we can do for people is try to help them have that moment earlier and earlier sure and try to help kids maybe not ever have to have that exact moment yeah exactly but and when you
0: but when you are like trap you know you're stuck in a job you've been doing for 20 or 30 years you've got a whole family to, to support or a network of whatever all this stuff we build up like the, the the layers of your life yeah it's super hard to pull out one of the like ideological underpinnings and change that,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but there. But it, it has to happen to some extent.
1: It has to happen if if we as a society, or a culture, or world, want to survive. Yeah, for sure.
0: And the worst part is is the people uh, like Robotnik, uh, who are promoting, like they're putting garbage into the air to make it impossible for people to imagine living without garbage.
1: That's what. I, yeah, exactly. That's and that's exactly what it is. Is that he is creating a world that eventually you you want to buy into and that's what's scary about it that's the most scary thing about it is that we are presented with mobius as a place that was like basically like a socialist natural yeah like i guess monarchy a social a a mon a socialist monarchy sure Uh, yeah (laughs) of or there was a king but everybody was cared for yeah yeah uh and is turning it into like not even capitalism just Mm -hmm. like straight up like authoritarian well, yeah, yeah, uh, co- corporatist fascism. like that is something interesting to talk about how it's weird how many of uh, our fictions, even to this day, yeah will like recognize that monarchies are a weird thing and compensate for that by putting one in their story anyway, but just making it so that everybody that is the king definitely deserves it. It's definitely
0: good. Oh, they're definitely fine. They're doing a good job. The king
1: and the princess are both really, really smart and would be really good at it. So don't even worry. Yeah, exactly. And like that's how princess stories get away with it. Always, right? And like, is that it's about like, for sure this person is inheriting a kingdom and like maybe that is bad. and Maybe like a kingdom is a problem and she does think her dad is like doing a bad job, but she would do a good job at it and she should be in charge. Arch. right right it's very very it's, <laughs> it's like it's interesting to see monarchies presented like that especially it's, in america it's very self-serving but but as you said it's weird like the air is full of
0: ideology that feels inescapable mm-hmm. like we're like we've got these this this is the like fundamental frustration with modern politics where it feels like everybody's bad even if they propose to see saying something you agree with Mm -hmm. they're going to wind up doing something self-serving or in the interests of you know the elite or whatever Mm -hmm. like there's a that that is a like a pollution in the air and that's like halfway true but halfway not and it's hard to escape from that and it's hard to to talk to people about these things it's really tough um, yeah people can com- become completely convinced that this is just the way it is and there's no way around it and as David Lynch says in his book Catching the Big Fish <laughs> world peace is a punchline <laughs> he says when, when someone asks uh, uh, the beauty queen what she wants and she says world peace everybody laughs because that's impossible why is that why do, why do we he says I don't think it should be funny I think world peace is a real goal and Sonic would agree?
1: Yeah, I, I'm really appreciate that a television show from the '90s about Sonic the Hedgehog is taking us on such a wild ride today. <laughs> I've,
0: had, <laughs> I've read a lot of weird stuff this week, and I'm uh, having a hard time not talking all about it. But um...
1: <laughs> no, it's good. It's good. Uh, this is it's what happens when we watch the dystopian ones of these.
0: Yeah, no kidding. I mean, it re- <laughs> brings us back to Sonic Underground. Yeah. and like the real talk that gets gotta come out of confronting. Like, these things are allegories. Yeah. They are deliberate metaphors mm-hmm.
1: for things that are real. And that's exactly, like, what we're here to do, right? That's like, what we that's want. Our, our, whole, our whole show is based on the idea that stuff deserves to be paid attention to, genuinely. Yeah, exactly. And that I don't think it is a coincidence, as, we, as I believe we've said before, too, mm-hmm. that
0: people who, kids who grew up with Sonic as part of their lives, honestly grew up, Better <laughs> in in a lot of cases. In a lot of cases, and, and certainly not across the whatever. That's a, that's a very broad statement, but I feel like there are so many sweet, considerate people who really like Sonic the Hedgehog, uh-huh. and obviously the opposite is true as well because all, we're all people and and it's complicated. But but it's like I I think that in the aggregate, like these things
1: have been positive forces in in like yes. in our culture, and I also like i just think robotnik most of the time is a good realistic like silly villain yeah yeah like he is a silly villain and he's an over-the-top villain but he's one who is very easily mappable onto actual evil in the world like there are some over-the-top silly villains that are hard to map like when someone is just like i am going to control space and here's my time rod like (laughs)
0: My time, Rod!
1: <laughs> Finally, I've brought together all the uh, the time all the, spheres. All the time spheres are mine, and I shall rule the galaxy. Across all timelines. And, like, uh, the idea of, like, wanting to be in charge of everything is very obviously, like, yeah, okay, that's yeah. bad, and we talk about that. But the ways Robotnik goes about yes. it, and his kinds of ways of taking over society, and the slow burn of, yeah. like, gradually turning people into robots, like... That's actually a story that I'm really interested to see. Mm-hmm. We get a lot of like Robotnik at the after he has roboticized the majority of the population. Yeah, what does it look like at first? Like, what's the beginning of that? How do you get yeah. to the critical mass where there's only one rebellion? How fast does that happen? How quickly do people get sucked into it? Gosh. Like, that's what I'm curious about. Have we already hit the point where people have been volunteering for the roboticizer? Like. I'm very curious about that. In In Sonic Underground, we could almost, like,
0: see that, like, some of the aristocrats and so forth have m- not necessarily volunteered to be roboticized, but yes. more or less walked into it.
1: Well, in Sonic Underground, it seems like he's holding that over it's them. Diff- it's That's, like, thing. the one thing he's, like, keeping from them. In right. this one, we haven't been given that class right. of people but, at
0: all. But given how few, given how, I-, I was struck in this episode of Sad Am how they, how much time they spent in these giant like robotic urban wastelands. Yeah. Like they I, the fact that they flew for s- many many minutes and we're still just in the heart of it. Yeah. Really shows like wow, this has gone a long way. Yeah. Like this is up uh, after a lot of bad stuff has already happened.
1: And it's is, it is really hammering home the only the only way to fix it now is to reverse it. Yeah. That's the only way to fix it, is to stop it completely and move backwards. Right. This isn't a thing where we can slow it down anymore. No. This is a thing where it has to be 100% stopped. And the only people we have to do that are a bunch of 17-year-olds. <laughs> like, a bunch of young young people yeah, like doing their best to take care of children, yeah. to r- grow their own crops, yeah. to like figure out a plan that will take down the whole world. And they're only... Uh, older advisors are missing or only occasionally there for them wow yeah and like that's it's it's pretty rough yeah it's heavy and it's big and it's very very cool to see i think it's important to see sonic's goofy goof like positive attitude staying in line with this focused like powerful decision making the fact that sonic went from Joking around yeah. and seeming like he wasn't caring while saving the day to really desperately making a decision very quickly to like, I'm going to save my uncle. We're going to make this happen.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Solving everything and then being presented with something he can't solve and emotionally having to deal with it by crying and yeah. having his friends tell him that's all right. Like, we're going to work on this. We'll keep it going. Yeah, We got to see Sonic's whole emotional range today. And I think it's super important to show kids that, that like all of this yeah. can exist even within struggle and like all of this should exist and it's really really neat to see and if you contrast that
0: with the things we don't like about sonic boom for example Mm -hmm. where sonic has no greater purpose and doesn't emote like he's not engaged yeah he just gets irritated yeah yeah and and that's that's no good and these the things we see where i feel like the characters work the best especially sonic Mm -hmm. is this like there's a clear purpose Something very bad has happened, but he's not going to give up Mm -hmm. and where he feels it like and he's really there for people. And and it's it's
1: cool. I like I like this character. Yeah. I I don't know if I like Sonic the Hedgehog. And I don't know if we've talked about it in this way before, but there's also a difference between building your morals into every piece of your story Mm -hmm. and like your world and building your like point and your message into all of it versus trying to fit a message onto a cast of characters every episode Mm. just based on a few actions that they're doing like the sonic boom problem is that the world has no opinions and like the the stuff that's happening is all built to be sort of like level i would say we're just making jokes i
0: would say not even that it has no opinion but that its opinion is this is a tropical paradise there are no problems here yeah right
1: it's (laughs) except for eggman
0: and even he is like just part of the living the world's opinion is isn't this nice yeah when it's not really or there's this other thing going on but it that feels so weird whenever eggman intrudes because he is so ineffective yeah i don't know yeah it's it's it's, 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 there's a contrast there
1: and i i think that's worth something that's something to remember and keep in mind when you're watching stuff that isn't sonic related yeah it's like there the reason stuff feels hollow sometimes and the reason when characters are like and now we've learned how to be friends and the reason that that can get under your skin and uh-huh. bug you and maybe make you feel like, Oh, this is like, not, this doesn't feel real. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's often because it is not built into the story itself. And yeah. at the store often that the story, what it's purporting to be about is conflicting directly with its actual values.
0: Interesting.
1: I talk a lot about star Wars in this context yeah, just because star Wars, the structure of star Wars completely goes against what it's trying to say. And like hmm. the, uh, I talk about this with about Harry Potter this week. I had a conversation about okay. it a long time where like, it is absolutely wild to have a whole section of your plot be about how, like, uh, certain people in the magical community just because of their families should not be targeted, but then also have it built into your world that only certain people get magic. Like, yeah. that's a weird thing and, like, a very strange, like, hmm. decision if you believe that, like, mm. certain people shouldn't be, like, separated in certain ways. Anyway, Harry Potter yeah, yeah. not what yeah. this podcast okay. is about. But, like... <laughs> I'm, I'm very interested in that, yeah. But I just mean, I i've been thinking about this a lot lately and i like the context that sonic gives for it which is like we can see very directly in the different things we've seen when the whole package is being built to say something versus when they are having characters say oh i didn't oh i didn't listen to you earlier today Mm -hmm. and in this way that's like there's a there's a big difference there i see
0: and what you're saying because we don't have like there aren't 40 reboots of star wars right so you can't see the exact same characters reused in all these different contexts and go oh it feels really weird when they're like this but not like this yeah and and part of why we're still talking about sonic the hedgehog is because there is so much of
1: it and Mm -hmm. it is such an interesting like compare and contrast situation sometimes i feel like we're learning less about what makes a good sonic and more about just what makes a good piece of art. Shh, don't tell anybody. <laughs> uh I guess that's all we have that's for today. plenty.
0: I think that's plenty. Yeah.
1: That was a really really fun conversation. Thank you
0: for talking with me about Sonic and art. Thank you, Caleb. So,
1: uh some <laughs> reminders from last week. We have an article up on Pace Magazine you should check out. Wahoo! It's very very cool. Mm-hmm. It's about Sonic Forces and we'll hopefully have another uh one or two of there sometime on them, soon. Yeah. Our other podcast Every Day's Great is still going and we are going to have an episode up beginning of next week. Yep. What other cool stuff do we have going on? I've got a lot of web and work projects that, Mm -hmm. like, haven't been launched yet, Mm -hmm. so I can't
0: talk about them, (laughs) but I'm, like, excited. (laughs) I keep thinking, oh, I made a cool project a month and a half ago, it still hasn't launched. Can't say anything. I've been doing the same thing where
1: I'm, like, I'm working on a book, but I, like, cannot even talk talk about about it out loud. Mm -mm. Yeah. So it's,
0: like... Oh, but we are coming up on Caleb's
1: uh, book release in September. Y'all got to get that. Pre-order! Oh, that's true. So, I can actually mention that. So, yeah. our store, Avid Bookshop, is doing a like Christmas in July promo for my Christmas book, Top oh. Elf, starting in the middle of July uh-huh. and going to the very, very beginning of August. And it's going to include a donation drive for an organization that we haven't officially announced yet. Okay. And also a pre-order drive for the book Top Elf. Yes. If you, from, in any context, either coming to the store, doing it online at avidbookshop.com... Mm-hmm pre-order the book or donate something on this list of things that we will have available very soon, mm-hmm. you'll be entered in a drawing to win a bunch of cool stuff. Nice. So, including, like, a signed early copy of the book, some, like, like a cool t shirt Like, lots of fun stuff. So, uh, you guys listening, if you want to uh, support your buddy who does this podcast for you every week, and you want to read a book full of my silly jokes. It's really good and sweet. (laughs) It's called Top Elf, and it's coming out so soon, September 26th, and we really need some pre-orders starting right now to kind of show Scholastic and everybody that this is like a cool, big deal book that they should care about, and I would really, really appreciate it if you guys were able to help out. It's only like $16. Yeah, do
0: it. Please get the book if you can. It's a really good time.
1: Avidbookshop.com or my website, CalebZaneHewitt.com has information on it. And you can also, you can just tweet me. I'm always there for you. You have any questions? Oh, just pop me a tweet. You can just ask Caleb about his book. He's happy to help. I'm right there. And I can, we can send it anywhere in the US. And y'all, this book is real.
0: Like it's being published by Scholastic. Like it's a real book. It's an actual
1: book. (laughs) And and, uh, the funniest thing that
0: Caleb said this week that he had had talked to like three or four different people when he says, oh yeah, my book's coming out. They
1: go, oh, is it being published by a local press? <laughs> they're, they're like are you are you publishing it yourself or almost yeah, no. every single time there, there's I'm the like,
0: assumption that when somebody talks about releasing a book there's no way it's like really being published, like, <laughs> thousands and thousands of copies are being made and shipped all over the planet. Like, that's not it.
1: No, I think like, it must just be something about my look. I just look too, no, I just look too, like, relaxed and well, chill. Well, you look very relaxed to, like, and, like, you're working casually. so hard. Yeah, but, I, but, like, somebody that pretty couldn't possibly also be an author.
0: Well, and the, the other thing is, too, not to, not to toot your horn too hard, but, like, <laughs> it's not everybody who gets their book published by Scholastic and does a real good job like you did. So, <laughs> well, like, you. do a good job still. Don't let it go to your head. I'm doing but, my like, best. I know you're doing your best, but, like, anyway, it's good. Like, the book is good and fun so anyway well i'll put i'll we'll put some links in the uh, in the little show notes and i think our show notes are formatted bad yes i think i do i i've worked i don't know with if that's the, your fault though it's just kind of a weird i've worked medium. with the tools that we have available and that's not working out so i'm trying to figure out how to fix that but anyway there'll be a link in there so click on the big big old mess of text i'm gonna put in there and uh Anyway,
1: okay, that's good. Uh, Thank you all so much. Tweet about the show. Tweet at us. We're always down to have conversations and see the cool things that you send us. People are sending us pictures all the time. Yes. Cute do art. It's so good. Do yes at us. <laughs> <laughs> and until next week, I'm Caleb.
0: I'm Nick. And, and
1: you're to show.
0: do we want to go do you want to have any other kind of like um maybe i'll run we... to the restroom
1: okay sure and grab s- some coffee or something there is no coffee nope i'll grab some do you, want me, do you want me to make coffee no i will no it just
0: takes two minutes no okay blue streak speeds by sonic the hedgehog too fast for a naked guy Sonic the hedgehog Sonic he is really nude actually they are totally nude Sonic and his friends are in the nude oh hi Caleb <laughs> oh hi <laughs> uh, welcome to the po- welcome to the room po- the podcast room welcome to the room i'm back